Hi everyone! Before we start the show, I wanted to ask that if you like what we're doing here, you might consider donating to keep it moving onward and upward. We have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon and a PayPal at paypal.me backslash Hegelbon. $5 at Patreon will get you bonus episodes, but even a dollar helps more than you can imagine because no cartridge is funded by listeners like you. Thank you. society. I am introducing tonight one, Matthew Chrisman of Chapo Trap House, the Adorno, the Adorno of gaming, the curmudgeon of controllers, my friends, this is a man who would not let a five-year-old enjoy Mario without a discursus on its social ills. And in our other corner, we have one Virgil, Texas. Also of Chapo Trap House, friend to gaming. He will be your healer if you need one in Overwatch. <laughs> Snipe with the essence of accuracy in PUBG. And will always, always accuse those who beat him of hacking. <laughs> I don't know where he is. Yeah. <laughs> I win. It's over. Oh, there he is. Hey! <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Uh, I want to thank you all for witnessing this amazing triumph. I just won by default because he wasn't out here at the end of the introduction. All right, all right. All right I have officially won the debate. Why did you, why did you debate? come from stage left to use the stage right podium? Why would you do that? Why would anyone do that? I, I, didn't, I literally didn't know you could come from the other side. <laughs> I'm Trevor Strunk. I've only been here behind Hegel the stage on one Twitter. other time. Of no cartridge audio, I am presenting this debate. I am moderating this debate. I will keep order between these two as best I can. But friends, it may not, it may not be so orderly. This may come to blows. Any of you who are sensitive to violence may want to leave now, may want to consider this your warning. We have flipped coin backstage. Virgil won the toss, but Matt has chosen 
has not been chosen. Virgil has chosen to defer. Matt has chosen uh, poorly and must go first. No, I didn't choose anything. Virgil chose for me to go first. You chose poorly. You chose heads, and it was tails. (laughs) That's that's faulty because it's a 50-50 choice. (laughs) You can't blame somebody for picking one over the other. It's totally arbitrary. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I guess you're supposed to do this at the beginning. You're supposed to thank everyone for coming out. You're supposed to thank your host for doing the questions. You're supposed to thank your opponent. So I guess I'll do all that. Life is hard. (laughs) The process of stepping out of oneself, of reaching out to other people, of attempting to make human connections and to create and thrive in an indifferent and often hostile world is terrifying and fraught with pain and disappointment. Rejection and failure are constant companions on the road of life, but we persevere. Why? Because the rewards are too great not to. Companionship, love, romance, a sense of accomplishment or self-expression. And let us not forget that our rejections and failures, all the pain we suffer in our travails, those are the things that fuel our growth and maturity as people. They're the forge that tempers our hearts. We go out into the world to express our humanity and to see, in turn, our humanity flourish and evolve far beyond anything we could have ever imagined before undertaking that journey. Or we could just game. (laughs) Video games are not just another art form in a long line of creative innovations which were all met with the same grumpy criticism from the same old people afraid of change. Video games offer people, particularly young people, a way to opt out of the interactions, activities, and relationship building that make up human flourishing. Instead, video games offer you a simulation of human experience in all of its dopamine-rich particulars. They offer the scared and socially inept an alternative to life. A place where you can explore and conquer and problem solve and enjoy all the satisfactions of existence without the fear of rejection or meaningful failure. It's a devil's bargain that can leave people paralyzed, transfixed, happy to find satisfaction in a virtual realm without meaningful stakes, all in exchange for the mere cost of their souls. (laughs) Without struggle, without human communion, Without fear and risk and setback and triumph and above all consequence, we cannot grow as people. We cannot achieve our ultimate humanity. A life of gaming in the final reckoning is no life at all. (laughs) Virgil, Texas, your response. Well, I want to thank you, Trevor and No Cartridge, for hosting this event. I want to thank you, the Bell House and its staff, for having us here tonight. And thank you to all of you in this audience for coming here to hear what I intend to be the answer to one of the central questions of our time. (laughs) Is gaming good? Like all young media, video games have had to clear a number of hurdles to earn legitimacy as a creative form. The gatekeepers of culture asked, does this express 
ideas. And the early text-based game said yes. <laughs> they asked, does this tell stories narratively? And the early adventure games, like Leisure Suit Larry, said yes. <laughs> then they said, ah, that may be so, but it is not art. And the longevity of the form, the increasing complexity of its manifestations, and the rich critical culture that has grown around it have settled those questions. But there remains one final bearded, stubborn hurdle to overcome. Ad hominem. <laughs> I'm speaking, of course, of the resistance to gaming and the denigration of gaming and the hysterical disdain for gaming that emanates from some quarters in the academic left. These attitudes have drawn a wedge between elitists among the left and the general public for whom gaming is an aspect of their daily life. They have made other leftists with good politics and good, practice, uh, good praxis and good principles loathe themselves for no reason other than the prejudices of these snobs who do no more than resurrect an antiquated notion of high and low culture. Tonight is when we put those ideas where they belong, in the trash garbage. <laughs> Tonight is when we finally dismantle this revisionist conception of culture that has not only limited the influence of what is supposed to be a mass movement, but actively engendered anxiety among good leftist gamers. And against this counter-revolutionary program, I say, Gamers of the world, unite. You have not just one world to win, but infinite worlds. For the record, I, I have a bachelor's degree, okay? Where did you get it? Carroll College. A college, exactly. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So there are rules to this debate. Debate is blood sport after all. Not a lot of rules, but certain rules. I command the flow of this debate. When I say stop, you must stop. When I ask a question, you must answer it as best you can. There are no time limits. This is not some sort of uh, uh, limited debate as you might see on, on uh, fake news like CNN. <laughs> This is serious. <laughs> to the audience, no applause. No applause needed. Laughter is fine. But don't applaud. It's okay. Don't feel like you need to. No flash photography. You may film. You may take pictures. But try not to startle our debate opponents. They will jump easily. <laughs> and please, above all, let's have a fair match. First question. This question is to Virgil, who won the coin toss and gets the first question. Deferment notwithstanding. Mr. Texas, just a month or two ago, a man on, who posted on Resetera.com, the uh, gaming uh, website of record, 
Destroyed his entire basement when he lost too much at Tekken. <laughs> his family left him. <laughs> Meanwhile, a young man killed his mother over a shouting match about, yes, video games. What possible societal benefit could we be getting that's worth keeping games around given these risks? Well, first off, obviously, I have sympathy for the victims of these crimes. <laughs> and the, the basement as well. But I can't help but say that I don't appreciate the framing of the question, the notion that it is up to us by fiat to determine whether or not video games will be around. Video games are a medium that constitute one of the key artistic structures in our culture and our daily lives. There is no, I don't think my opponent here would suggest that uh, we need to ban video games, we need to get rid of them, or anything like that. But additionally, I think that you're trying to draw a connection between data points that are not related to gaming, but symptomatic of a sick and violent society. I think you are doing what the moralists did in the 1990s when they cast around for culprits for the Columbine massacre, right? They look to Doom, they look to Marilyn Manson, they look to uh, Frank Zappa, all sorts of absurd things, like to violence in movies. I think that ultimately we have a society with liberal gun laws and a society with, that encourages uh, anti-human thinking, that encourages violence and competition against your fellow man. And so I reject the notion of, of trying to ascribe a, some sort of satanic panic to gaming. Uh, Yet, more to the point, if I'm going to stand here and defend video games as an art form, as a valid form of expression and consumption, then I submit that it should be afforded the respect that we give to other art forms. Did you want to ban copies of J.D. Salinger books after John Lennon was killed? Did you want to ban copies of Taxi Driver after Reagan was shot? Because I wanted more copies of Taxi Driver to be out there. And I think your question, when I, when I, when I hear your question, it brings to mind the criticisms by white film critics against the Spike Lee film, Do the Right Thing. And... Uh, in New York Magazine, David Denby said that Lee was playing with dynamite in an urban playground, that the movie had no coherent point of view, and that the end of the movie is a shambles, and if some audiences go wild, he is partly responsible. Joe Klein said there's a good chance the message black audiences take from the film will increase racial tensions and that it can't be ruled out that they'll act violently. He said, these subtleties will leave white audiences, especially white liberals, debating the meaning of Spike Lee's message, 
Black teenagers won't find it so hard, though. So would you ask the question, what is worth keeping movies around despite these risks? Mr. Crispin? Okay, so the crux of all of that filibustering is that <laughs> games are just another form of art, like every other form of art that has been criticized by people, small-minded Philistines who, who claim that it has a pernicious social uh, message uh, and, and are basically scared of change. Well, you know who disagrees with you on the idea that games are... Uh, just like any other art, uh, gamers. Because what was Gamergate? If not a years-long collective psychotic break by a bunch of gamers solely responding to the fact that games were finally being afforded the same critical evaluation that all previous art forms had received. That is the crux of Gamergate. Forget all the conspiracy bullshit. What it boils down to is that people said, okay, you say video games are art? Well, let's talk about them in, as art. What kind of values are they replicating? What, uh, what kind of like, systems of oppression are they, are they part of? Uh, what, what would it mean to have a video game uh, world that was liberatory for people who were oppressed by patriarchy and white supremacy? And the response of gamers was... <laughs> it was to death threats. It was insanity. It was, it was a collective nervous breakdown at the idea that their precious hobby would be subject to the same banally obvious critical uh, intervention that every other form of art has had. Fans of, of, of film and television and books, when, when their favorite book or TV show is criticized, do they uh, send rape threats to the people criticizing them? For the most part, and very, if, if so, way less than fucking gamers do. We know this. We know for a fact that gamers do not treat gaming as an art form. They treat it as part of their identity in a way that no other person would with any other art form. And why do they do that? Because gaming, the act of gaming, and this is my main point that I'm going to try to hold throughout this entire thing and whatever, whatever, whatever flummery and sophistry Mr. <laughs> Texas tries to unveil here tonight is that it is not the content of gaming that has a pernicious influence. It is the act. It is the act of, of foregoing interactions in human society for replicating those responses and, and that pleasure center uh, that you get from just being a human person with what you get in a video game. And by doing that, you, you identify at a visceral level with what you're doing because you've lost the thread at a basic level. You have lost the connection to other people. And so when someone says, you know, this video game is kind of sexist. All the women have giant tits. Your response isn't, well, okay, let's think about that. It's, fuck you, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> Why? Because they have, they have struck at your core in a way that for most people would be inconceivable with other art that they might consume. So I think that the premise that this is just another art form is... is, uh, is belied by the actions of the fans of that art form, i.e. gamers. They do not respond to criticism in the way that people who uh, are fans of other arts do because the intimacy of the relationship with gaming is such that they have a personal stake and a violent response that is created by that dynamic between player and gamer. Mr. Crispin, let me stop you there. You are on record 
as feeling these same emotions about many kinds of art. I don't know what you think about modern art. I don't know what you think about modern sculpture. I have no idea what you would think if you went to the uh, Tate Modern. No clue. But I do know what you would think if you watched Prestige TV. Now, I'm impartial. I am impartial. However, I feel you have a responsibility to respond to this because when people say, for instance, that Game of Thrones is a rape fantasy in some ways, Game of Thrones fans respond with death threats, violence, loyal backlash against critics that goes beyond what one would expect from a normal television show or a normal piece of art. So is there something in video games that is particular to you, or is this just all contemporary art? Well, I will say that there, there is no hashtag Game of Thrones gate. There's no... There's not nothing. for lack of trying. Well, I mean, if not for lack of trying by whatever weird subset of Game of Thrones fans, by lack of numbers, because the only... Uh, fan revolt to involve the FBI <laughs> in this century involves video games. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, this is the big criticism of my argument, is that, well, doesn't this apply to everything? And yes, it does. But we're not humans. It does, me, humanity doesn't mean anything unless you can draw distinctions. And gaming is, is part of the same symptom of modern alienation and technological, uh, you know, uh, dis distance from humanity that everything else is, that every form of popular artist art is. Yes, I agree. But I think we can at least see that gaming is on the farthest end of that spectrum. It's the worst version of this. It is the fentanyl to Prestige TV's Oxycontin. <laughs> It is, the, it is the separating boil to film or comic book skin rash. It is the concentration of all of the most malevolent and awful trends in the alienation machine that is modern American culture. And, and, and at the end of the day, we have to be able to draw the distinction and point out games as the most malevolent of all of these things that we're bombarded with every day, all of which try to pry us away from our understanding of ourselves and the people around us and become, become subjects of, 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 of a capitalism. It's just, it's the most pernicious version of that. I, I believe Mr. Texas has deserved a response here. Thank you. I want to respond to some of the assertions you made in the first part of your drivel. Uh, <laughs> Ad hominem! You said that gamers are uniquely react in uh, hysterical ways when they don't get their uh, large breasts in video games or whatever the controversy is. But... Uh, how exactly did television fans react to Firefly being canceled? <laughs> how did they react? How did uh, nerds react to a black man being cast as Ford Prefect in the Hitchhiker's Guide movie? <laughs> 
or any number of other controversies where an individual's headcanon doesn't coincide with a certain racial choice in casting. I think your problem is not with gamers. I think your problem ultimately is with nerds. How about you refer to the Gamergate movement, which I, I obviously agree exists and, and is a problem, that there is a certain class of white, male, reactionary, racist gamers. But what evidence do you have to suggest that this class emerged because of gaming? Because from the way I see it, these people who inveigh against SJWs or censorship or whatever on the internet every single day are not defined by the, by the fact that they are the ones who play the most games. They're defined simply by being reactionary shitheads. There's no correlation there. The number of gamers worldwide is well over a billion. 1.5, maybe, in this country? It's a majority of people. We'll have citations afterwards for anyone who's interested. <laughs> I, I would in, say... In this, and in this country, oh. a majority of gamers are women and people of color. And that's a fact. No, that, hang on. That's a fact. And you're trying to reduce the class of gamers to what could be no more than 10,000 shitheads who ultimately grow out of it. You can name the, the key Gamergate figures, right? I'm sure you can, just from being online. And you could name maybe a half dozen of them, because guess what? That's all they are. They aren't the spearhead of the movement. They aren't a, a representative of a larger group of people. They are what they are, and you're treating them as representative of this class. And I think that's grossly unfair. Well, I would say, firstly, that the, my main evidence that there's a difference is that the word gamer exists. There's no other word for any other art. Movier isn't a thing. TVer isn't a thing. Game, gamer is a very specific identity that has arisen out of the culture of video games that is separate from any other uh, history of artistic you know, endeavor and consumption. And the reason for that is because of the way games are structured. Games are designed to be attractive <laughs> and to be played. Thank you. Wait, 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 wait. To the audience member's point, I believe you have missed... Uh, someone in the audience yelled out, uh, uh, this isn't an improv show, but in, in fact... Re reader, reader is an... Is, that's... Uh, reader. Yeah, what, what, do we, what do we take from Reader. You need to read. It doesn't. <laughs> you can read anything. You can read a fucking uh, like a like a, a a traffic ticket or a menu. That doesn't mean Matt, anything. Matt. Gamer is a separate category referring to people who play video games. Are you, specific... are you no saying there's? Are you no more fucking heckling? Are you saying that the there's, idea of there's a questions subculture. later? There's no questions now. Matt's right. Matt's no. right. This was this was a one-time thing. Thank no you. No more improv. Uh, import, import order here, sir. I'm still in my rebuttal. You need to shut the fuck up. You're not the moderator. You have 30 seconds for your rebuttal, Mr. Christmas. Thank you. Moving on. Because games are designed to be attractive and to be played. 
They cater to the desires of their audience, which because of the, 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 uh, the way that capital shakes out is young white men for the most part, and to reinforce their worldview. It posits a world as a place of domination where you go out and acquire for personal gain and where everyone else is a mere tool for that. You're, everyone else is either an enemy or a soulless, non-playable character. When you do stop gaming, you view the world through a lens of personal consumption because gaming teaches you that you are a consumer above all else. To be an atomized speck of individual desire that society exists to cater to. It's a small wonder that almost all the gamers to reach a large audience inevitably become embroiled in some sort of sexual or, sec or racial scandal. You've got people like John Tron, PewDiePie, Jeff Tutorials, <laughs> Ian Miles Chong, Anders Brevik, Osama Bin Laden. Sir, sir. Order. Stop that. The third ad hominem means that we need to move I, I, on. Can I have a response? Because I, I just want to have quickly, one response. Quickly, I think it's an important quickly, point to litigate. Very quickly. Matt here is arguing that subcultures don't exist or they didn't exist until the advent of gaming because Mr. Christmas has never heard of a punk rocker or a mod or a teddy boy or anything like that because this man is anhedonic. He does not know what it means to appreciate a piece of culture. And his argument is obviously flagrantly moronic on face value. When you bring up the example of Osama bin Laden, did you say he's motivated by gaming? I, I would I, say... I, I am not allowing this question to I be would say this. This is, this is that if way is beyond not. the scope of this particular argument. Whether or not... We don't even know if those were his games. <laughs> get back on track. <laughs> this question goes to Matt. It's time to move on. When we reach three ad hominems audience, that is time to move on. All right, calming down. Mr. Chrisman, you have been well on record before and after, uh, after tonight, uh, saying that uh, we, should, uh, we should do away with gamers, do away with video games, except perhaps as small idiosyncratic little things we play on our cell phones when we're on the subway. What do you suggest gamers do instead? What do we do with this class of people that you imagine have been created and uh, uh, live to terrorize the, the good people of the world? What should we do with those people? What should they do? Film is a, not an option. Prestige television, not an option. They, perhaps they could read the works of Marx and Engels, but I imagine that many of them would not want to. <laughs> I've asked them to. To paraphrase uh, someone you might agree with, Lenin, uh, someone I might agree with as well, uh, V.I. Lenin, what is to be done? <laughs> well, first of all, I need to stipulate that I am not here to call for a ban on gaming. Uh, part of the... Tragedy and glory of human existence is that people get to make their own mistakes. So, people, the idea that I'm here calling for some sort of iron uh, censorship regime, I don't, I don't want to do that because, frankly, it's an unwinnable argument. Because gaming is not any more pernicious than a bunch of other things that one could do with oneself that, if you applied that same reasoning to, would also be <laughs> illegal. 
it's, uh, it's the designated opioid break for anyone who needs to go outside. Yeah. If anyone needs any uh, uh, fent uh, sniffer, go for it. Uh, R.I.P. Tom Petty. Um, my argument is instead just that we can, as adults, acknowledge that it's bad. That's all I am saying. I'm not saying... And there's a ton of bad things for you. And... My main argument, the reason I'm out here, the reason that I say gaming is bad is just to stop people from, from going into the cul-de-sac of deciding that identifying as a gamer is fine, playing games all the time is fine. Oh, I'm learning hand-eye coordination skills. <laughs> that you, you reckon with the, 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 the pathology involved in gaming and that you therefore let that knowledge regulate your relationship with gaming. So I would not say that we need to find some alternative gaming. I think that, as with most things, people need to find a balance, a golden mean, that involves realizing that gaming is carcinogenic to the soul, but no more so than cigarette smoking or, or alcohol or red meat, and then be moderate, for Christ's sake. Mr. Crispin, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Texas, uh, I feel like you have a, a strong response there. Well, I wasn't listening, but <laughs> why would I? It's Trek. I believe in moderation, of course. Uh, some gaming, some cigarettes, that's how you live a safe and healthy life. <laughs> Yet I think that everyone could do well to do a little gaming. I believe that this is a medium that holds the potential for infinite possibilities, infinite ways to create something, infinite ways to interact with that thing. And in my mind, Mr. Crispin's objection to culture broadly is that these past cultural forms have been passive forms. And gaming is the ultimate interactive form. You have to be there. You have to do something to appreciate a game. It is not a narrative that is just fed to you necessarily. Uh, it could be, though. It could just be one long cutscene where you press exactly one button. But that's one extreme. That is what defines the medium, is the interactivity. And... I believe that that interactivity is not stultifying, it's not anesthetizing, but it's empowering. And the way that people talk about games and they create communities around games involves further creation and interactivity. There's a modding community. There's Twitch streams. There are people who take enjoyment from deconstructing games, from trolling people in games, from trying to break games. And ultimately, I think that that type of independent critical thought and creativity is something that we should encourage in people. Uh, I like this idea that one of the cherished uh, delights of gaming is trolling people. <laughs> if you want to extend this logic to other forms of art, this is like saying one of the joys of seeing movies is going in there and yelling a lot. <laughs> And answering your telephone and smoking a giant stogie like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. <laughs> so you're already admitting that part of the joy of gaming is just antisocial hatred of others that you don't even know. 
Because, and why is that? Because the gaming format depersonalizes everything and turns your opponent into just pixels that you can fuck with without any thought to who the other person is on the other side of that interaction. That is the thing. He talks about creation. It is sterile. You're not creating shit. You're manipulating pixels in a program that was pre-written by some people in a fucking studio somewhere and then made with slave labor by somebody else. You are, you are, you are in a... You are, you are putting all of your life energy and your anima, instead of putting it out into the world, you are dumping it into this sterile box that can never respond, can never give you the sort of dynamic and, and, and engaging and maybe scary but also exhilarating response that you could get from another person in real life. All right, calm down. <laughs> you say that because it's a medium that you don't understand. Because for you in particular, and for people who think like you, you see the pixels on the screen and cannot think that there is another human being there. Another human being whom I can interact with. A troll? Teach me something. Yes, and troll. Feel which bad? is one Someone of the I've human interactions that you can have with another person is trolling them. Of course. So are you to tell me that you like to go on the subway and just take your dick out and make people uncomfortable because of that? What kind of you video games do you play? You go into a re- you go into restaurants and put your hands in people's water and flick it in their face? No, you'd never do that. You would never think to do that, but you would think not once about doing that, the equivalent to that to somebody in a video game because you've been dehumanized by the experience. Why is You playing... have dehumanized the person that is on the other side of that interaction. If you, you, you have dehumanized yourself because you have lost the set, the set of incentives and interactions and, 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 and the threat of real repercussions that comes with real life and you've created a simulated version where you get all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff of real life. You think that video games are just good stuff and no bad stuff? You think it's just press buttons until you win and feel happy? Is that what you really think it is? I that th- it isn't challenging? It can't be emotionally what taxing? I am saying, it can't teach What I am things. saying is that the bad stuff is not anything compared to the real bad stuff of real life. You could take... You could take every bad interaction that somebody had in a video game and put it on a fucking uh, on a thumb drive, and it would not add up. Everyone who has ever played a video game for the past 30 years, the psychic pain of their interactions online would not compare to one rejection by someone from the opposite sex in real life. One awkward interaction that led you to sunder a relationship that you've had for years in real life. Now, I feel like everything is trivial because other people have it worse. I I mean, I need to interrupt here to say, Mr. Crispin, people get in, people get rejected by the opposite sex all the time in video games. Yes, and it's online, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. Let me ask, I, 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 I know the audience will assume I am ganging up on Mr. Crispin. But uh, as long as he is uh, taking his bully pulpit, as long as he is taking his bully pulpit, I feel I need to. I feel he is, he is, he is taking this as, as some sort of uh, moment to monologue. So let me ask you, Mr. Crispin, what, uh, what, what happens to uh, negative ideation? We have uh, Freud famously had a death drive uh, in his own theories. There is classically been many people who have imagined that there is a negative ideation. Adorno himself imagines negative dialectics. Why can't we have a negative version 
of emotions such as trolling. But it's simulated. That's what I'm saying is that it, it, it trains you. Being in a video game trains you to accept a, a simulated version of all of the travails of life because the real thing is too scary and too complicated and too tough. Instead, why not exist in a cyber realm where you can have those experiences and get all those dopamine hits, but at a lower level, at a safe level, at an acceptable level? It is, an, it is a siren song. It is Narcissus's stream. Because it's not the same thing, and it's obviously not the same thing, for the same reason that people are capable of distinguishing fantasy from reality. People will get dopamine hits watching an action movie. They will feel fear. They will be immersed in it. I would argue that a video game is less immersive than these art forms because for the very reason that to play a video game, you must be involved. You must interact with it. You must hold a controller or hold a mouse or touch a keyboard. That you have a dead man switch where if you walk five feet away from that game, you're suddenly outside of the game. It's that easy. No video game can be as scary as the scariest movies that you watch in a dark theater with you can't, where you can't interact with the person next to you. You don't agree? It is... I'm not talking about the effect of, of some sort of simulation in terms of what you watch in a movie or a TV show versus a video game. What I'm saying is that it is that very agency that you talk of that is what gives people that sense that they are reproducing that which they could get outside but can get in a simulated version. Because you are able to, to act... And that is what separates video games from every for art form that came before it, is the sense of agency. And agency is what gives us a sense in our minds that we are active people in society, that we are people who are satisfying the animal spirits that Keynes talked about. It is agency. No other art form gives us agency. We are passive observers. Video games give us an illusion of agency that then gives an extra frisson to all of those interactions and an extra meeting and an, emotional, an extra emotional punch that makes it, for many, many people, a satisfying simulation of life and, and an alternative to life. That's where you're wrong because people don't view it as an alternative to life because the things you do in video games are not things you can do in life. 99% of the time, when I play SimCity... What's your recommendation? Virgil, just run for mayor. <laughs> well, uh, so, yeah, exactly. That's what makes it better. That's what makes it more seductive because you get all of these fantasy uh, concepts. You, get, you can be the mayor. You can be the president. You can be the king and the emperor. And you can be master chief. That is what makes it so, so seductive is because it is everything that you get in life and more. Now, we are running in circles now. Uh, so let me point out something, and then I'm going to direct a question at Mr. Texas. Uh, games like PUBG and Fortnite are only uh, imaginary for now. In the very near future, one can imagine a 100-man uh, battle royale where you have to kill everyone else. Yeah. I assume both people would agree with that. Mr. Christman? I couldn't hear you. People were making noise. Uh, anyway. Mr. Texas, yeah. I, I, I implore you to take this as an opportunity as well as a challenge. Can gamers... A challenge-tunity. <laughs> Can, ga 
Can gamers be leftists when their pastime is predicated? Hmm? When their pastime is predicated on a vicious system of wage slavery in the third world? Is there a socialist horizon to gaming? By a vicious system of wage slavery, you mean the components for computers and video game consoles are produced in repressive environments and exploitative environments? Yes, and if you'd like a more expansive version, if you don't feel like that's a challenging enough question, imagine the environments in which we test games in. Imagine the environments that people who are forced to code and QA test and put together games are put under. Uh, even, you know, imagine the, the poor employees that uh, worked under Hideo Kojima when he will say in Death Stranding that he actually wants every player to meet Norman Reedus and they need to make it happen. Sure. First off, uh, I consider the question as absurd as asking if you can be a leftist and still use a computer. These supply chains, these systems of empire have nothing to do with gaming, and that's obvious. I will remind both, both debaters that uh, I am not on trial here. Both of you are, but I am not. Well, I'm just addressing, of course not, I'm just addressing the question that you're posing here. Ah. Today it was announced that the Los Angeles Times had unionized for the first time in its history. Cheap heat, that's cheap heat. Now would you have asked me one year ago, how could I read the stories in the Los Angeles Times when it's not a union publication? When I think it's clear there are manifold issues with video game production. Video game companies constitute, the large companies constitute an oligarchy that your main developers and your, your QA testers are abused. They, have their over, they are forced to do overtime without overtime pay and so on and so forth. Obviously, those conditions have to improve. And I would say that is one of the reasons why leftists should take an interest in video gaming, that leftists should be involved in this industry and demand something better of this industry, to attempt to organize this industry. Mr. Christman. I'm not going to dispute any of that because I think that's a, that's, yeah, of course, gaming is built on exploitation. We live in capitalism. Of, duh. That, that's what all production is. That's, that's, the, that's trivial to me. That was in Marx. Uh, what I'm going to say instead, what, what the point I want to make instead is one about politics and gaming from the point of view of the player. And uh, to, to begin that, I'm just going to read a quote here. They targeted gamers. <laughs> gamers! We're a group of people who will sit for hours, days, even weeks on end performing some of the hardest, most mentally demanding tasks. Over and over and over, all for nothing more than a little digital token saying we did. We'll punish ourselves doing things others would consider torture because we think it's fun. We'll spend most of, if not all of our free time, min-maxing the stats of a fictional character all to draw out a single extra point of damage per second. 
Many of us have made careers out of doing just these things, slogging through the grind all day, the same quests over and over hundreds of times to the point where we know every little detail, such, some that are, have been attained such gamer nirvana that they can literally play these games blindfolded. Do these people have any idea how many controllers have been smashed, systems overheated, discs and carts destroyed in frustration? All the latter to be referred to as bragging rights, etc., etc. This is, of course, a famous copy pasta from some gaming idiot from the Gamergate uh, <laughs> issue. And I, I quote it merely to point out that this is the mentality that gaming cultivates. Gaming, by its nature, because you're trying to get people to play your game, that's the fundamental basis of it. If people don't play your game, you don't have a game, you don't have a career as a, as a game maker. It's, they're designed to be one, they're designed to provide this sense of accomplishment and ability among the players. And that breeds the elitist, hyper-individualist ethos that leads to things like Gamergate and makes an alarming number of well-known gamers either hyper-libertarians or alt-right Nazis. Because they, have been, they don't go outside, they play games all day, and the games tell them all day, every day, you're so good. You're so smart. My God, you, you, you finished this level so quickly. You're a genius. Why do you have to pay taxes for stupid black people? They don't know how the game is good as you. The fundamental firmament of the white nationalist re revanche that we're dealing with is an unearned sense of genius from all these dipshit white guys. And where do they get it from? From gaming. Gaming is what has told them that they're smarter than everybody. Gaming is what told them that they should be in charge. Gaming is what has told them that women are fake gamer girls or they don't know how to, they don't play because they're not good enough. They're not smart enough. That is what gaming creates in terms of a political element to gaming. That is the pernicious element of gaming. All right. What was it you said again? Next question. Next question. No, 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 no. I have a response to that. First off, what of the people who do not excel at the games, who are constantly frustrated by it and have to seek out the help from others for the games? The, the gaming proletariat, if you will, are they, do they get the opposite lesson that I live in a, I'm playing a game that is rigged against me and my skills. What if I live in a society that is also rigged against me? Why do you only focus on the speed runners and the, the highest caliber gamers? Because the people who lose stop playing. No, they don't. You think that, but that's false. Have you ever heard of a game called Flappy Bird? <laughs> I want to stipulate that I did not go into this wanting to talk about mobile gaming or tabletop gaming or any of that bullshit. I'm talking about consoles. Mobile gaming is gaming. Consoles it's obviously gaming. Come on. We're not talking about chess. Come on. It's Hearthstone gaming. It's a mobile game as well. For those of you in the audience who need a glossary moment, this is what we call dialectics in philosophy. I mean, if you're gaming on the subway because you've got nothing else to do, I don't consider you a gamer. Sorry. You would, would you say those are fake gamers? Because I would not, because I think that whole category is stupid. I think it is a self-applied category for people who are the most poisoned and damaged by gaming. 
you are suggesting here, and if I can distill your frivolous argument, suggesting ad hominem three to zero on ad hominems. He has made many ad hominems. I just haven't. Four to zero. I have not been noting the ad hominems because that itself would be a fallacy. Four to zero. In no way, sir. In no way. That's what it. What are you talking about? That's what a debate moderator does: is they count up the fucking fallacies. Okay, all right. Can I four to zero? May I give my only one I know is ad hominem. May I give? Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) That and straw man. That's all we're talking about. May I give my response here? No, I mean sure, fine. Yeah. Matt's uh, last statement is a bit incoherent. He uses, uh, he says, gaming encourages people who do well at the games to uh, become Nietzschean supermen who are disdainful of black people. But he uses the example of PewDiePie, who's not known as a good gamer, who's simply famous because he's a Swedish person who yells a lot on the internet, which is one of the highest paying jobs in this society. Now, but I want to address that root point that Matt believes that gaming turns people into reactionaries. And I like to think that the basic facts prove him wrong. The majority of gamers, the vast majority of gamers, are not reactionaries, by which I mean well over 95% of gamers are not Gamergate, Ian Miles, Chong reactionaries. But reactionary impulses get channeled into culture, into subcultures, in all sorts of ways. Punk rock started with bohemians, art scenesters, sexually liberated, gender-fluid individuals. And by the end of the decade, there were skinheads. There was an entire backlash against Nazis in the punk rock movement. The same thing happened with electronic music, right? It was invented by, what, gay black guys in Chicago and Detroit. And today, there's a huge reactionary element there. The same thing goes for gaming. You are assuming that the loudest and most obnoxious gamers, people who were absolutely, because of the material conditions in which they grew up, the milieus that encouraged them to be racist, to be misogynist, who entered gaming, you believe those people were radicalized. I submit those people were pieces of shit before they picked up a controller. Okay. Mr. Chrisman, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to cut off your response. Sure. I have one more question for Mr. Chrisman and then a lightning round before we move on to our intermission and our town hall segment. It's HQ time, everybody. (laughs) We're going to do trivia. Uh, We're going to break for trivia. Um, uh, Mr. Chrisman, gaming can have therapeutic effects. We've talked about this. We've talked about the ways in which gaming can calm people, can provide some sort of therapy. Not just to the physically or mentally ill, but simply as a salve to everyday anime and stress. And everyone needs that, right? How do you recommend that people who game for relief, Copen said, to take Mr. Texas's words, the 95% of people who don't game to be reactionary shitheads, what would you do for them? Certainly not podcasting or Twitter, the two most toxic and stressful things we can all do. Uh, well, uh, to start, I just want to say that, yes, gaming, you say, has a therapeutic effect. So does fentanyl. 
It doesn't say anything to say that something can, in very measured doses, provide an analgesic and relief, and then, oh, yeah, it also kills people all the time. I mean, that, to me, should be the leading point, is that it is, it is literally deadly, but whatever. Um, I would just say, if you want, you can game. As I said earlier, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fucking Wahhabist over here. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not making some sort of absolutist claim that all frivolous artistic endeavors should be banned and they should burn playstations in town squares and behead people who are caught with video games in their pockets. I'm just saying that it is something that is dangerous. And as such, it needs to be handled with as much care as we do heavy narcotics (laughs) or alcohol or firearms. Anything else that can devastate in the blink of an eye. Gaming is part of that, that spectrum of things, potentially lethal things. And as such, if you really need some sort of, I mean, obvious, well, see, here's the one thing, though, is that the stresses you're talking about are caused by capitalist alienation, as we all know. And it is very easy to make an argument that anything that provides a analgesic against the depredations of capital is what Marx would call an opium of the people. <laughs> Something that might provide solace, but in the long run, retards one's ability to recognize the source of their pain and mobilize to stop it. And I would say that of the things that have that counter-revolutionary, reactionary bent... Gaming is the most pernicious because what better way to salve the, the, the psychic and emotional trauma of living in capitalism than to escape into a fantasy version of capitalism where, where the rewards are to be won much more easily than they are in the real world and where one can feel a sense of control one can feel that one is in charge of their life in a way that they can't in the real world. And that that makes the intolerable tolerable. And like I said, I don't want to make an argument that these things should be banned, but I think that we need to recognize those things that are working against socialism, working against class consciousness, working against mobilization of revolutionary energy. And the most powerful of those, or one of them anyway, is gaming. Because it provides such a powerful salve against the alienations and disappointments of capitalism. Mr. Texas. In your conception of reality... You believe that gaming is an analgesic, something that, and, and forgive me if I misrepresent your beliefs here, something that capital has created in order to sustain itself. Would you agree with that? It, I mean, everything created by capital is created to sustain itself. That's a banal observation. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Some would say say it's a for Mr. Chrisman. (laughs) What? It's the first ad hominem for you. No, that was not an ad hominem. That was an observation of reality. That's a tautology. That is no. 
capitalism creates the things that re- reproduce it. What? That's not. Is that? Am I taking crazy pills? That's you may. What it does. Yeah, I, I don't call that a banality, though. But I am uh, loosely familiar with these ideas you express. You express them on no cartridge. You've expressed them in, in conversations with me of a culture based on the dominant medium, right? And you had in the 80s a televisual medium that was the ultimate passive way of receiving information that created a stupid and stultified populace. Didn't say that. But your general idea is that gaming is what makes the intolerable tolerable. To the, to the people who give themselves to gaming, yes. And the more people, most people give themselves to gaming, the more people are essentially immunized against radicalism, yes. I would say that the facts don't support that point of view. When I think of the generation in this country, our generation, which is most resistant to the Republican regime, which is most resistant to capitalism. It is the first generation for whom video games are the dominant medium, and the generation that is most supportive of Trump, of most supportive of the bigotry and capitalist society in which we live, is the oldest generation, the one that's least likely to game. And if capital has invented gaming in order to sustain itself, it has done a pretty fucking bad job of it. You, how much more radical would this generation be if video games didn't exist? Oh, just but, speculation, speculation, sir, speculation. <laughs> Calm yourselves. It's the lightning round. Let me, let me, wait, can I get a response no. to that? Uh, no, quickly, quickly, quickly. In the past 10 years in this country, a handful of individuals acting on their own accord, not necessarily as members of a cadre, not necessarily as individuals operating under solidarity, have done, performed acts at great personal risk in order to do damage to the national security state, in order to help a free society know what its government secrets are. And it's no coincidence that those individuals are gamers. It's no coincidence. I'm sorry, there's no coincidence that one of the first things Chelsea Manning did after she got out of solitary confinement was purchase an Xbox and play Forza. It's no... Every single hacker in this culture is also a gamer. They don't necessarily share your ideas, but their mindset has been influenced by growing up as a gamer, and it has led them to a positive conclusion, Whoa. to an That's, anti-authoritarian conclusion. Hold it on inspired a what Julian has supported no, what Edward right. Snowden did. No, that, to your no, 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 no. To say that they are radicals because of gaming needs support. I'm well, sorry. Is gaming all-consuming or is it not? Does it not influence you or does it not? You, you are both in danger 
of being in contempt of this court. At which point I must stress, people will arrest you and put you in radicalism jail. All right. Now this debate has delved far into anarchy and not the good kind. Feel it needs some structure. As I said before, this is the lightning round. Each of you will get one minute by my calculation to answer the following three questions. Mr. Texas, as you won the coin toss, you may select on the first question to receive first or to defer. 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 The wise NFL move. Go birds. Mr. Chrisman, the question goes first to you. To the extent gaming creates negative outcomes in terms of what you might call, and I think aptly, false socialization, in what way, if you had the ability, would you change the gaming industry or game production in order to reduce those outcomes? If, in fact, we imagine that you do not want to ban, but to reform. Uh, I would just make games that people didn't want to play, I guess. <laughs> I would make games that were so hard that you got annoyed and stopped playing them and went outside. That would be my, uh, that would be my, my prescription for gaming. Sir, you just do something not know gamers. That, uh, something, that, something that antagonized instead of invited their audience. But of course, that can't happen under capitalism. Because capitalist commodities are, by their nature, designed to be attractive to potential purchasers. There's no, there's no vision where my, my game can exist in capitalism. It would have to exist in a post-capitalist state where the commodity form had been abolished. Mr. Texas, your time. Well, I, it's clear that Matt is unfamiliar with the concept of indie games. And I, now, I don't hold my interlocutor responsible for his ignorance. I, kn but I know. I discussed it earlier that there are many, many problems in the way the video game industry is run now. There's serious money behind it. It exists as an oligarchy. It exploits its workers. The voice actors are agitating for a union contract and union representation, which they deserve. QA workers deserve a union. Cheap obviously. heat. Pardon me? I'm just saying that's cheap heat. Never mind. Continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the, any, any reference to a union has to get uh, full applause. <laughs> cheap sorry, but the rule. But I, uh, as I said earlier... I believe that video games, uh, as a dominant cultural medium, need to be taken seriously by leftists for the simple reason that not just those employed by the video game industry, but those who just play the games are acutely aware of what oligarchy does. They are, look at the controversy over what EA did with loot boxes. You have every gamer who are mostly apolitical young people who will never ever learn anything about class or dialectics in their, in their high school or their college 
who but know that, oh, this company is fucking me over because they're greedy. Why don't you try to tie that to a, a larger conception of history and the economy and thereby convert someone to your cause? Or take net neutrality, for example. That's a gimme, frankly. And the best argument is we should nationalize the internet companies. So, my overarching point is that gaming is where people are. And we need to be where people are. Gaming is the an aspect of people's individual lives, their everyday lives and their experiences. And if you want to not be one of those people selling shitty newspapers for 25 cents on a street corner who will never, ever accomplish anything ever, you need to be where people are and you need to speak to their experiences. Your minute is is up and I I apologize for the members of uh, Platypus 1916 in the audience. That newspaper is free, Virgil. Hey, I, I got to pay for loot crates. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. That's all where right. radicalism begins, I'm sure. The lightning round has one response. But this time, Virgil has to go first. Describe the game you most wish to see in the world. How does it, or how can it, reflect your politics or your ethics? And don't give me the it can't exist under capitalism thing. <laughs> Imagine it under the communist rule. I don't care. There are a lot of great, if it cannot, why not? There are a lot of great games that exist uh, under capitalism, I suppose, but they're not necessarily created by the machinations of capital. I, uh, I mean, I personally like simulation games, strategy games, things of that nature. And I don't know what that is. I, uh, you know, I, I, I thought. I might give a, a very clever answer to this, but I won't. Uh, the real game I want is No Man's Sky, but actually fulfills its promises. You're asking for uh, fully automated luxury space communism. I am. That is what I want. Okay. All right. Mr. Chrisman. Well, just for a second, just the idea that any video game is created not under the auspices of capitalism is gibberish. That's absurd. They all are, obviously. But, uh, I mean, if just, there is a use game... Use your imagination. That's if the, there is a game... Saying, you well, I'm just, I was refuting some gibberish he said. But uh, uh, if there was a game... Uh, uh, I actually made this point on uh, the Patreon-exclusive portion of our interview on No Cartridge. That's patreon.com backslash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. <laughs> $5 a month will get you bonus episodes, many of which are very interesting. But uh, the, the only video game I've ever encountered, uh, theoretically or in real life, that really intrigued me was from the book You Asked by Chris Batchelder, that is a, uh, it's a simulator where you go to graveyards of, of dead heroes of leftism and you dig them up. <laughs> and at no point do you kill anyone or conquer anything. You are just exhuming the spirits of dead comrades. And to me, that's a perfect thing because that's the kind of game you could play for an hour or two and feel good about, but then you wouldn't wouldn't want to stop. You'd want to go do something else. Because that's the thing. Games should have like a uh, 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 self-limiting... Like a mechanism of self-limiting interest where at a certain point you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this now. I can go off to live my life. 
as opposed to current video games, which are on an entirely different premise, which is, let me play this until I die. Okay, final question. Mr. Chrisman, you'll need to start. Chapo Trap House made its name in some ways, and, and perhaps always. I, I, I watched it grow up. We, we've been friends for a while, haven't we? It's true. Yes. No, it's true. The good old days. Yeah. Scotty Burberry days. That's right. 2013, baby. Chapo Trap House grew up in the 2016 election. In the, it, it, it made its bones on the characters and, and the, the foibles that led us to this awful hellscape we currently live in and hope to survive. Um, in the 2016 elections and primaries so, that you know so well, do you think we had any gamer candidates? Well, obviously Rand Paul. <laughs> I mean, there's no question. Rand Paul is a vicious gamer. Rand Paul, uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that all of Rand Paul's emails are just, uh, are just like mailer demon, uh, like pingbacks trying to email Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that speaks to my larger point is that, is, that liber- is that gaming inculcates the libertarian idea that you are a unmoored being who's, who can like, uh, influence the world around them and not, not be tied to any kind of community or any kind of anything that came before you. You are an individual dropped like someone in Player Unknown Battlefield or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> oh, know. sir. What's it called? Player, what's oh, it called? sir. I don't know. I've never Pub played it. Pub G, not Pub F. Well, whatever the fuck it is. Please. Battle, battleground? I don't oh know. My goodness, this is this You're is just dropped. TV moment. You're just a being dropped into a place. You have no connection to anything before you or after you, and you need to just go out into the world and 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 make do. And your wits are what make you, as opposed to the context that created you, which is what actually makes anybody's fortune in life. And that's why I would say Rand Paul, the most libertarian of the 2016 candidates. Thank you, Mr. Christman, Mr. Texas. Uh, five words. Pokemon, go to the polls. <laughs> well, with that, we're all going to go chill in Grand Rapids backstage. Uh, we're not doing exactly the same thing that Hillary's doing. Uh, uh, Cedar Rapids. I'll just edit that out in the other thing and no one will know the difference. Uh, we're going to go chill in Cedar Rapids backstage and give you guys a bit of an intermission before we start the town hall portion. <laughs> Stick around! intermission. We've heard a lot tonight. Loud music. Wonderful music. Thank you for the sound. 
wonderful. Impeccable. We've heard defenses of gaming. We've heard attacks on gaming. We have heard claims that gaming has contributed, if not created, the alt-right. <laughs> We've heard arguments that gaming has allowed for, if not created, a horizon for left thought and communist possibility. Clearly both cannot be true. Or could they? That's for you to decide. However, there are others in the audience tonight pre-selected for our city hall, oh sorry, town hall, not that big, not city hall, town hall section. We will invite people, people you may recognize, up to discuss and ask questions of the day, even satellite feeds in to talk to various luminaries from the field, people just like you who care about these issues. But I get ahead of myself. Let me reintroduce Matthew Christman in Virgil, Texas. Come on out. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome back. I believe... <gasps> hmm. I believe we are ready for our first question. Ah, oh, and I have just have confirmation on a very special guest at the end of the podcast. <laughs> first question tonight. Uh, do I see someone out there at the microphone? Do I see someone out there at the microphone? Can can I get a sign? Uh, hey, yeah, yeah. What's up? Uh, my name's uh, my name's Will Boner. <laughs> my, na my name is Will Boner. I'm an undecided gamer. I'm just in the audience here tonight. I just want to say to uh, both this guy, uh, uh, the, bi the big angry guy with the beard and glasses, and uh, uh, slightly smaller guy with the glasses and blazer. I just got to say, uh, I think both of y'all need to uh, stop focusing so much on games and start worrying about your kids at home and our troops in the Middle East. Thank you, God bless. Thank you, God bless. Uh, <laughs> To get serious here for a second, folks. Uh, no, my question tonight is for Matt. My question is, uh, you've thus far in the first half of this debate uh, assembled a strong and impassioned case that video games are a perversion of reality that at the very best sap revolutionary potential and our best instincts, and at the worst enable a rising tide of reactionary thought, and if not, action. However, you have also said you are not here to claim that I want to ban video games. My question is, sir, if you believe in the case that you're presenting tonight, why not ban video games? Well, I mean, woo. To start with, for the very simple fact that the state mechanisms that currently control society are capitalist mechanisms, why would I expect them to enforce any sort of equal uh, suppression of things that would uh, inhibit revolution? Th that would not be in their interest. It's absurd for me in a capitalist society to say, ban gaming, 
as much as it is to, uh, to claim to want to ban anything when the organs of state that are going to be carrying out this ban are going to be the same organs of capital that make the games in the first place. It would be absurd and pointless to do so. So sure. that is the main reason why I say we have to live and let live, but what we have as human beings is the ability to make, as I said, distinctions and to be able to draw inferences from behavior and to say to our fellow humans, stop doing that! You're gaming too much! Sir, sir... Put on some goddamn pants! Sir... Leave the house! Sir, sir... This is a dodge. This is your mind palace here. You are in control right now. I'm asking you, if you had the power in your perfect society, why not ban video games? For the very simple reason that in my perfect society, there would be no hegemonic capitalism to overthrow. There would be, no, there would be nothing that we would need to harness our, our energy to fight. And as such, something like gaming would be, like any other facet of society, a simple enjoyment because people would not be alienated wage slaves. People would be able to hunt in the morning and criticize in the afternoon and, yes, game after supper. So but only in a post-capitalist utopia. Sir, 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 in effect, you're saying your entire critique of gaming and video games in general is just based on the fact that it exists in a capitalist context. It could potentially be liberatory or at the very least not poisonous in any other society. It could be less poisonous. <laughs> that is what I am saying. I would say even in a, a post-capitalist utopia, it's still a bad idea to dump your primal energy into a simulated version of reality. But it has fewer negative consequences than to do so in capitalism. It's still not good. You, you, you might allow a number of things in, in, in a post-capitalist society that are not good in overabundance. But even, and gaming is one of them. Even in the society that we currently live in, as it is currently constructed, what is the harm in banning video games if you could? I just told you, because how am I to trust any sort of capitalist uh, state apparatus to do anything? Well, yeah, but like that, like, that, that, but, that but, but is like, absurd what, to do so. But it you would, are an absurd it would, it would, creature, and you need to sit I, down. What I'm saying is that it would, at the very least, it would at the very least make things no worse than it is already. So why not ban them? Because to empower the capitalist state to be able to intervene in individual people's consumer decisions is to open a Pandora's box of repression. Obviously, sir, sit down. <laughs> All right, next question. Okay, next I'm question. sitting down. Uh-oh, uh, Virgil wants a brief, brief response. I just want a brief response here. Uh, to the extent that in Matt's utopian vision we will game, I obviously have no objection. But I want to give a quotation here. The situationist game is distinguished from the classic notion of games by its radical negation of the element of competition and of separation from everyday life. On the other hand, it is not distinct from a moral choice since it implies taking a stand in favor of what will bring about the future reign of freedom and play. I submit that gaming breaks down the barriers between art and everyday life. Gaming creates those situations where blocks and elements of capitalism are turned on their head. Of course, gaming has a place in a 
future gay space communism socialist utopia. <laughs> For the very simple reason that play as a primordial human instinct is something that we should value over profit. Of course, of course gaming dissolves the barrier between, between simulation and reality. That is what makes it pernicious when the product, the, the games that are interacted with are all created in a capitalist context. All of these games exist to immerse us into a winner-take-all capitalist world where we are the sole protagonist where everyone else is either a non-playable character or an enemy to be defeated. And that is what makes gaming, one of the things anyway, that makes gaming pernicious. And it is inescapable in a capitalist context. And if we're talking about gaming as it exists, forget airy-fairy versions of gaming in some fantasy world where we're all eating food pills and living on the moon. The gaming that exists now in this world, the gaming that we all could play, the games that we could all go home to, those games are all produced under capitalist conditions. All of them reproduce capitalist relationships between people and others. And all of them take human energy and put them into a sterile loop that destroys one's capacity to assert autonomy in the real world as opposed to in the simulated world. Yeah. Now, I, I, think we speak, I think we speak for everyone when we say that uh, I'm curious about that supper that Matt talked about. What, what, what kind of supper uh, would we have before we gamed in your utopia? What kind of, what kind of supper? Can you describe it? I don't know, like uh, lentils? No, no, no. <laughs> how, you, how you preparing those babies? How you doing the lentils? I don't know, like a, like a chickpea, maybe? Like oh, boy. All right, all right. Hummus? All right. Hummus is good. Let's, let's brainstorm this after the debate. Can I have, can I have a, a quick response Very briefly, Mr. Very briefly, Texas. certainly, of course. I can't help but uh, interpret that Matt does not understand there is a wide array of types of video games that are not all white male military racism simulator 2018. <laughs> Just the most popular by far. <laughs> That there are one of the most popular... Just one out of ten of the top hundred. That's false. No, that's false on face value because the most popular game, multiplayer game in the world right now is a cooperative game. It's a team-based game. What's is and, that? Pardon me? What game? Uh, Heroes of the Storm. I've, I've literally never heard of it, so I can't speak to it. What I can speak to is player unknown is... battle whatever... Which is the Where a hundred people are dropped on an island and only one survives. So let the me, game of 2017. Let me give you two uh, two points right now. One is that the of the of, of the most popular multiplayer games. Several of them are team-based games where you necessarily have to collaborate with total strangers. And something I love about Overwatch is that you can do something that's actually rather amazing. You can match up with five total strangers who might not even speak your language 
And you can each have a distinct role in a team to achieve a certain objective. Murder everyone me, on now, the other team. Can you tell me, can you, if when you say that video games encourage nihilism, encourage you to not believe that another person exists, encourages solipsism, uh, how does that square with playing Mercy in Overwatch, where you necessarily have to make your teammates live? You are, that is your goal. Now, okay, I, no, no, hold on a minute. I want one, I want... This was a question to me. Motherfucker asked 500 questions. I want one thing before we leave to bring up Overwatch. I don't want an answer to this. I just want anyone who has played the game to answer. All right. Yes, it's a cooperative game. How much, how much do you feel like you're part of a team interacting with the other members of your team when you're playing Overwatch? How many times are you called a moron or a shithead or any number of racial slurs for doing it wrong? Rarely. I don't know because I don't game. You can answer that question. Weirdly, weirdly, Matt's, Matt's foolproof uh, effort to ask the audience, uh, who is 300 people, uh, to answer one particular question. I'm not, I'm not asking you to say anything. I'm just saying to everyone listening, in your own mind, if you play the game, think of what it means to interact with a total stranger on the internet. Now look, 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 look. That's we all have I'm many, asking. We have many people... That's all I'm asking. Hang on. We're next. Next question. It's done. We know that Matt is a dilettante in terms of Overwatch and Virgil is a heel slut. <laughs> Moving on. To our next question. Uh, I, I think I see someone... Someone wanting to tell, like, uh, mentally, someone wanting to tell the truth about something. Someone wanting to tell the truth about something. I, I just can't, I can't place what it is. Somebody uh, wants some truth about a certain country in the Levant? <laughs> Hello, pimps. I'm an undecided gamer. No, you're not! This motherfucker games more than anyone in this room! Mr. This Chris is bullshit! No, no, he I, is not an undecided person God, in this room! Control yourself! I, I'd, like a, to hear his, I'd like to hear him out. I'm a, I, oh, no shit! I'm, a, I am, I'm, I'm filing a grievance with the International Debating Committee. This is clearly this is a false flag in question right here. Well, first of all, I'm a Gemini, so I'm very duplicitous. <laughs> but... My question is not for you. It is for the reformist Virgil. <laughs> All right, uh, I have it written down here. Dear world, I am eight years old. I live in Aleppo. I just want to listen to NBA Stupid. Oh, no, that's another project I'm working on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have my actual question here. <laughs> Gotta take side projects. Uh, Jesus. The reformist Virgil, Texas. In your vision of the world, the gamer co-mingles with the non-gamer. But through the last 15 years of history, we can see that this has harmed both our cultures. For us, our sacred instruments of play have been used by pimply-faced 19-year-olds who want to go to college for free to bomb Yemeni weddings. In our world, our games are ruined. Our treasured franchises like Call of Duty they have now been colonized by Hollywood sickos like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Why do you continue then to suggest a world where we coexist with a culture that has harmed ours and we have caused nothing but ill? 
Can you elaborate on the question? What is, what is the opposing culture to gaming culture? A gamer ethnostate. <laughs> a gamer ethnostate protected from the opposing culture, which is normie culture. But by what do you mean normie culture? Normie culture is... It's hour-long procedural dramas. It's going into work and asking people how their weekends were. It's, it's all the movies people like to see called, Oh, Somebody Called You with Jennifer Aniston. You mean Matt culture. It is all the stuff that Matt likes. It's true. We can both agree on that. He's told me I don't he like those, those things. I'm on the record not liking any of those things. Uh, one time Matt said Jennifer Aniston could still light up a romantic comedy. Kind of weird. <laughs> Didn't say that to me. Well, thank you for your movie. question. I hope to convince you by the end of this night to support gaming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, peace. My point throughout this evening has been that gaming is a mass medium, one that will become the dominant medium, but that doesn't mean it exists in a, an opposition to other mediums, any more than a film exists in opposition to a novel or a television series exists in opposition to an opera. So I would say that, yes, of course, these various cultural forms can coexist for the very reason that each one of these cultural forms borrows from the others that you can't have a modern conception of gaming that is not influenced by music, that is not influenced by cinema and the rigors of these mediums. I'm sure my colleague disagrees. Yeah. Uh, if Gaming is all-consuming. As is, that's that's the gist of my uh, my debate partner's argument is that gaming is the ultimate res It's the inevitable result of technological advancement, and it will eventually consume all media. I didn't uh, say that. That's well, not my argument. I don't know if it's true. I mean, it's inevitable if you think because here's the difference. He's talking about oh, it could coexist with all these other art forms. None of them have the immersive thrill of gaming, which means that if if what we value, if what we value in art is our ability to feel a, a simulated agency and to then replicate emotional responses that we would get in the rest of the world, then all these other art forms, he says, can coexist with gaming are going to die because they cannot provide what gaming provides. They cannot give you that rush that gaming does because they are passive in a way gaming is not. So to say gaming is the future of art is to say that film, television, music are the past and they are done for because they cannot give you no. that libidinal thrill of feeling like you are a person in a simulated reality making choices and that those choices are then rewarded or punished in a way that they are in the real world. And that rush that you get from that that mini dopamine, as I said, the dopamine rush that's a simulation of the dopamine you rush you get from actually going out in the world. And we know that it's similar. How many fucking videos are there of kids losing their shit when they lose a video game? Destroying their computers, smashing their fucking keyboards. 
shitting themselves when their dad runs over all their video games with a fucking steamroller. It's because gaming gives them something no other art form can. So this coexistence that he speaks of is impossible. It's gaming or it is passive arts. There is no, there is no world where they coexist in the long term because the rest of them ha have no valence compared to the power, the thrill, the, the, the fucking visceral re reaction you get from being a person in a simulated reality in a video game. Mr. Christman, two points, two points of order. One, Mr. Texas wants to respond. Two, PolitiFact has rated your statement <laughs> pants on fire. Due to which statement? These, the, the, the statement that there is no game, there is no medium as immersive as, as video games because of these four words: choose your own adventure. <laughs> Mr. Texas, poppycock. <clears throat> it's interesting that you refer to kids. Because throughout this evening, I have labored to insist that you refer to gamers as who they are, as adults who are subjects, who are intelligent individuals. And if your objection is to shitty 13-year-olds who scream the N-word on Minecraft, then yeah, I, they're think all 13. State that. I think you should state that, frankly. They're all... Uh now, okay, they, you know, I'm not no, going to make well, a I'm claim. Not done, I'm, not done, said, I'm not done with my statement. I'm not done. Now... You believe that, uh, perhaps that I believe that gaming will uh, supplant all other art forms. Of course, I never argued anything of the sort, and I obviously don't believe anything of the sort. I do. Did plays... That's what I said. Did plays die because of the advent of film? Did live music die because of the gramophone? I'm saying there is a cultural borrowing, a cultural synergy there. It's different! Why? The whole fucking Why point of everything different? I've said! What are, you, are you not even listening to me? All right. It's not the same! To your corners, to your corners, gentlemen, to your corners. No, I'm not wondering. My, I'm wondering. You all, I'm wondering. No, I'd like, to, I'd like to hear it. If we could hear it, I'd like to hear it. Hey, hey, hey. I'd like to hear it. Is there. No, no. No, I said it. This is, this is, this is getting too intense. This is a place of logic, gentlemen. This is a place of reason. Let us not act like barbarians. It's not the same. That's what I said for the, an hour. You all heard me. Matthew. I wonder, is there, is there a woman in the audience who wishes to ask a question? There might be. As unlikely as it appears. Please, crazy. go. Uh, I would just like to say the percentage of women who have had a microphone tonight pretty accurately represents the percentage of women in the audience. <laughs> What's up, bitches? How are you doing? Um, at hominem. At, it's a genderless term, Matt. <laughs> However, as I have spoken to Matt first, my question is maybe more aimed towards Virgil. Uh, we live in a toxic environment that's rife with toxic masculinity. Hmm. And games seem no different to, from an outsider perspective and often from an insider. Do they need a feminist intervention? And if so, then how? Games need a feminist intervention in the sense that the broader culture needs a feminist intervention. 
very woke. I like it. What did you say? <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, that's simply the fact of it. And the fact is, when you look at the statistics of people who are playing video games, more and more of them are women as you go into a younger and newer generation. We're reaching a, a gender parity in terms of gaming, which means that that culture needs to follow that parity, needs to go where gamers are. We can, and I'm sure my opponent will agree with me, we can't rely on a market in order to do that. Then why would you say it's so, it's so perceived as alienating? Like, I know for a fact that it's perceived, like, we all know that it's perceived as very alienating to women, regardless of percentage and regardless of the fact, it's perceived as such. My argument is that there needs to be a struggle that we need to devote energies into in video gaming. And that just like we would in any one of our subcultures or sub-communities oppose the existence of rapists or the existence of Nazis and force them out of our communities, we should force them out of gaming. And the notion that gaming is a white male bigoted enterprise becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy if there is no energy and no organizing principle towards changing that, towards insisting that the opposite is true. Okay, you, you want a feminist intervention in gaming. That's nice. Where does that come from in a capitalist mechanism where the only thing that moves the needle is purchases by stunted young men? <laughs> where, where the entire gamer culture is determined by those who are most likely to buy a game, which is stunted young men. How are you going... You're, you're literally saying we're going to wave a magical wand that fixes gamer that. culture. You're saying we need to build a new side of gaming culture that is not, not misogynist. Okay, that's great. What mechanism exists in a capitalist reproductive environment that we currently live in where games are successful to the degree that they're purchased by consumers... How does that model allow for a feminist intervention? I would argue it cannot. Because the mechanism is mass power and the power of the majority. And the individuals that you are describing right now are a tiny, regressive minority of moribund shitheads, of total broken individuals who are being effectively marginalized because of the great majority of gamers who reject these ideas. And frankly, if anything is going to hold back the idea of having a more egalitarian gaming culture, having a freer gaming culture, having a more anti-authoritarian gamer culture, it's attitudes like the ones that you are expressing tonight, which is to say to the individuals in this audience, you should not game or think about gaming or worry about gaming in the slightest. And my argument is a diametrical opposite that we should focus on gaming as a front in the broader culture wars. I would, I would simply ask those in the audience who are aware of gaming, because as I said, I'm not very familiar with it, who, what are the most popular games? 
What norms do they reproduce? I think you'll find that they are mostly masculine. They are mostly uh, patriarchal. They are uh, libertarian, winner-take-all, vicious battle over resources. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, like I said, I'm not a gamer. No. But for I think time you, for this, a... you could take into your heart and just think, what does the market reward? And the market rewards big tits. For a time. And war yeah. and death. And conflict, and and this this pathetic dream of masculine dominance. For that a time, is what is rewarded by gaming. For a time, the best-selling video game in the world was The Sims, which had none of these qualities that you're ascribing to video games, which had a user base that was, by large, female. <laughs> now, gentlemen. Now, gentlemen, now, gentlemen, now, gentlemen, I must interject with two things. First, this is a, a the totally out of left field and not a related reminder to purchase Infinite Falls uh, Night in the Woods, uh, a game that is uh, perhaps on some level a response to uh, Mr. Crispin's uh, critiques. And uh, Wow, I, in, nothing in, I love more than having an impartial moderator. In, in no, hey! In This Way speaks to both people insofar as it truly has imagined gaming to exist as Mr. Crispin has imagined it and wants to fix it and imagines the potential of gaming as well. I believe in some ways it's the most impartial video game. I don't know. Maybe it's something like that. <laughs> Second, um, I need uh, the gamer we hired as uh, an intern. Donald, please come up here. I, I believe your computer is, uh, is, is uh, not working very well. Donald, Donald, come up here, please. Uh, I need the gamer. I need the gamer. Uh, Donald, log us in. Log us in, Donald. I got you. God. You know, folks, they just aren't that responsible. I, I got to agree with Mr. Crispin on this one. Um, we are going... To, we have questions that are uh, streamed in, folks. These are satellite questions. Questions from esteemed celebrities and noble countrymen. Uh, none of you would have any problem with uh, a question from a troop, would you? No, of course not. Mr. Crispin, do you respect the troops? I support our troops always. Good. Jude, I, I actually I love this question. I haven't even heard it. Good. It's actually Excellent. the best question. This is Sarge coming in uh, from, uh, well, we're just going to say undisclosed for now. Uh, I was asked to pose a question for this uh, little debate that you gentlemen are having. Uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here and uh, then ask my question. So by the year 2024, the DOD is planning to be a 100% gamer-friendly force. That is Army, Marines, Navy, Donald. Air Force, Coast Guard, all the contractors we bring over. The dude that's, uh, that's ladling over the, the food for you over the chow hall line, he's a gamer. We're all gamers. Now the reason why we are doing this is because video gamers have the best brain for what we are starting to pivot to, which is an all-drone army. Now, yes, you see it with the drones up in the air shooting the hellfires. You see it with the little robots that we've got, the little Xbox controllers. You cannot teach that to an 18-year-old who spent all of his high school career volunteering. That is just not going to happen. You need the kid that has been doing this since he was four years old, playing video games, knows how to use them controllers. Now, the future of war belongs to games. So, gentlemen, how do you feel about that? Mr. Mr. Cush? Why weren't you using VLC Media Player to begin with? It's the most efficient media player, frankly. 
Well, we got the gist of the question, right? Are you sure? Would you like to see it again? Would everyone like no. to see the question in full? Yeah, yeah. All right. No. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, this is Sarge coming in uh, from, uh, well, we're just going to say sorry undisclosed for, for now. Uh, I was asked to pose a question for this uh, little debate that you gentlemen are having. Uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here and uh, then ask my question. So by the year 2024, the DOD is planning to be a 100% gamer-friendly force. That is Army, Marines, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, all the contractors we bring over. The dude that's, uh, that's ladling over the, the food for you, over the chow hall line, he's a gamer. We're all gamers. Now the reason why we are doing this is because video gamers have the best brain for what we are starting to pivot to, which is an all-drone army. Now, yes, you see it with the drones up in the air shooting the hellfires. You see it with the little robots that we've got, the little Xbox controllers. You cannot teach that to an 18-year-old who spent all of his high school career volunteering. That is just not going to happen. You need the kid that has been doing this since he was four years old, playing video games, knows how to use them controllers. Now, the future of war belongs to gamers. So, gentlemen, how do you feel about that? Mr. Mr. Kush, Mr. Christman, Mr. Kushbaum, I know you are anti-gamer, but the future of war will be won by the gamers. So you need to think about that, and you need to think about which side you are on. The most prophetic filmmaker of the 20th century is Barry Levinson. In his film, Toys, he posits a future where young people are inculcated into the habit of playing video games that they think are consequence-free, but in reality, they're controlling drones that go off and kill people on faraway battlefields. That is literally the terrain of warfare that we see in the 21st century. Basically, we have created, in the post-Bush era, a war-fighting mechanism that is largely video game-based. We, we, we traded in the, the ideas of heroic combat that were, told to, that were sold to people during the Bush years, once it was revealed that they were no longer tenable, with an idea of war as a push-button exercise where the only people who were fighting wars were the video gamers in air-conditioned bunkers and trailers in Nevada, and maybe the geek squad people in the special operations force who went out to finish off the job that they couldn't do. And that is one of the most pernicious things about gaming, is that, as I've discussed, it puts your human energy into a sterile box. And that's horrible enough. It creates humans who are essentially husks, Humans who never grow, who never evolve, who never become fully human because they have spent all their lives dumping all of their anima into a sterile reproduction of life. What is even scarier and worse is the idea of someone taking that mechanism and putting it out into the real world. Taking all of that violence that they carry out into video games and having it have a real world consequence. And that is the world we live in now, where people in air-conditioned trailers in Nevada pilot drones that destroy and kill thousands of people without any consequences, without any sense of moral uh, 
moral in involvement because we relate to those fucking screens of death and explosion the same way we relate to, we relate to video games and that is the horror that we look forward to that is the gamer future that mr texas looks forward to a world where we have so divorced our actions from consequences in the real world that every kind of oppression can be funneled through a digital version of itself so that people can carry it out without any sense that they are doing anything wrong without any sense that they're killing human beings but carry out actual deadly murderous attacks in the real world because video games are the intermediary between their actions and the real world. <clears throat> Mr. Crispin, you have time to, or I'm sorry, Mr. Texas, you have time to respond. Sure. Take yourself to the early days of the internet, which was at the time a radical idea, right? It was the idea of a mass communications platform where it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much institutional authority you have. One individual can promulgate an idea and it can spread radically. And there's no uh, confusion for the notion that the early hacker culture was populated by anarchists, by libertarians, by broadly anti-statist uh, individuals. And take the idea that for people of my, our generation, your forced experience of realizing that we live in an unequal and unmeritocratic society might be the first day that you go to work after college, maybe you have a STEM degree, maybe not, but you have some menial entry-level job, and you realize your boss, your superiors, are fucking idiots. They don't know the first fucking thing. And you, and you realize, holy shit, I grew up using computers and the internet, and this is all like a, a, a second language to me, but the people who make the most money, who are, who are actually directing what's going on in this company or something like that, are totally divorced from that reality. And I use the example now of the NSA. Think of our tentacular national security state. There aren't enough young, talented, computer hacker individuals who voluntarily go into the military or into law enforcement or the intelligence agencies. So the NSA has to contract out to surveil all individuals in this country. They have to contract out these jobs to individuals like Edward Snowden. And I believe that what we ought to do and where our emphasis should be is go into these hacker cultures and direct these hacker cultures from vague uh, nihilism uh, or libertarian ideals, which is the worst fucking thing you could think of, and instead uh, instill in people a, a, a concept of class and a concept of solidarity. I think that these drone pilots that this gentleman talks about, they're at the end of the day real human beings 
who are raised in a in a society in a real society and they need a certain caliber of person to fly these planes what if the only people who could go and fly the fly the drones were people who opposed the imperial mission isn't that a good idea isn't it a good idea if we could all fart and go into another country? This all is meaningless. Right. We have to move on. We have to move on. This, this, this constant bickering has lengthened this debate to, to almost extraordinary, uh, extraordinary two-part. Sir, there's no debating in the debate room. <laughs> this is another opinion and question from noted gamers, the go-off kings. Be sure to watch their Twitch stream at twitch.tv backslash Stefan and Jesse. Oh, and if you want more from our previous guest, that's at Army Strang, and the podcast is called Hell of a Way to Die. He's very fun to watch playing PUBG. I yeah. watched him play it once where he just used a crossbow the entire time. Hey, guys. Oh, come on. Donald! <laughs> Donald! Uh, hey, guys. Uh, this is uh, Stefan. And this is Rob. Uh, we're... Part of the Go Off Kings uh, Twitch stream. Oh, We're here. With, okay. uh, not here, but Jesse Farrar is also with us. What do you mean? I'm right here on the floor. Wow, look at that uh, big crowd. Uh, it's the size uh, of an original Xbox controller. Yeah, or a Dreamcast controller. So Jesse, don't uh, just edit, uh, just put a pause in there for the laughter. Oh, yeah, we man. wish we could be there, uh, but this is the next best, best thing. We have a, a question best. for you guys, uh, uh, Matt. And Virgil, uh, and our question is: uh, If gaming had been around since the dawn of recorded history, um, would we be better off or worse off? Uh, and how so? What would have changed? Hmm. For instance, yeah. Do you have any examples? Do you? Uh, well, like, what got- if the Tiananmen Square tank guy had been ahead. holding a PS Vita? Oh. Or would early 20th century Italian immigrants have faced less? economic hardship had they all known they were naturally skilled plumbers. Or what if Sonic smoked weed with Bob Marley? So why don't you go ahead and and, uh, sit back. Uh, And again, this isn't pre-recorded, this is live. Uh, I forgot to say that. So we're excited to listen uh, to your answers. Good! I'm fine with either side. Thank you so much for playing my game. Who is that for? It's everyone. It's, it's, it's for the world. Uh, Virgil, you can answer first. Sure. Uh, obviously, gaming did not exist in Roman times in the terms of video gaming, how we define that medium. Yet, what existed in Roman times was the, was the concept of play. Because the concept of play has existed before any civilization. It is one of the primal human instincts. It is what we do when we are no longer fettered by what we need to do to survive. It's play, and it serves no greater purpose than the thing itself, than the experience itself. I defend play because I defend entertainment. I defend this as a human activity, and I can't help but notice that my opponent here does not defend the concept of play, except for the sort of play that he wins at. 
No, I'm, I'm in favor of play. I'm in favor of humans going out of themselves and then having an enjoyable interaction with another person that results in some sort of enjoyment. That is play. What video games are is a totally different thing. Technology has transcended anything anybody else would have thought of by play because it dumps all of that energy that would have been put into something that is a communal experience that builds ties with other people into an individualized experience that only builds one's sense of one's own ego as opposed to the enemies and, and simulated opponents that they play in the video game realm. And that is why if... Gaming had existed since the dawn of time. We never would have gotten anywhere. We would have fucking all ended up as 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 totally uh, uh, enchanted beings who found that the virtual realm is far superior to the to the dangers and 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 and. and uh, potential harms of the real world, and that's where we would all live, and we would never have anything. Humanity made the leap from. Feudalism to capitalism. I gotta pee. And <laughs> That's okay. The Virgil's responding. You can go pee, Matt. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. If you're if you're not a stupid asshole, say your name right now. That's Boom. damning. Boom. It's wow. Destroyed. Wow. <laughs> Humanity made the leap from feudalism to capitalism and it made it where individuals had play, they had games, then games were structured, right? There is this concept in the theory of games called a magic circle, a, an area where play is hallowed, where it's structured in a certain fashion. And I believe that we live in a society that's no different from that that we have structures to our games and we have auras of, uh, let's say, importance to games, so reverence. I don't consider that any different from what has existed in the totality of human history, unless you want to argue that people had no games or rituals or anything that would be frivolous and immaterial. Well, I mean, I've... I've articulated over the course of this entire debate why I think that video games are meaningfully and materially different than any other gaming system that existed before the technology that did, that did so because it required people to come together in an actual world. Come on, you can't under... You know there's a difference between going out and playing a game with other people in the real world where you have to interact with another person and you have to... Ex uh, you have to respect their basic humanity on the, based on nothing more than the fact that you're in the same space together versus a video game where you can treat everyone else as just a non-playable character or an enemy or whatever because they don't exist to you in real life. Real life is what makes us human. What I'm laboring It to is say not a simulation that does so. A simulation gives us this fantasy that we could be real people in the absence of real conflict, real risk, Real responsibility, real responsibility and risk only occur when we interact with another human being in a plane of reality, not in a simulation where we can turn the thing off at any time and go no. jerk no. off and fucking drink uh, uh, Mountain Dew Code Red. We are running very Why long. Have I have to interrupt. A, can I please, can I just have a quick response to that? 15 you seconds. You have a regressive view of what reality is because in your mind, 
there is some sort of delineation between reality and virtual reality. Of course and there the is! the fact of the matter is there is no such barrier wow. anymore today. All of our social interactions are mediated. Everybody take the blue pill, everybody. Everybody the take the blue pill. The way that we... The way that we make relationships, the way that we conduct business, the way that we conduct warfare and decide who dies and who lives, all of these are mediated in the virtual and realm. That's and that's a nightmare! Gentlemen, that that's is a the nightmare of exploitation that, the and death. that you live in, sir. Oh, okay. I live in a nightmare of, of exploitation and death. We should all party! I need to interrupt this... This ridiculous table reading of the uh, the uh, Christmas Carol gaming version. <laughs> this is the the Marley scene, and move on to the lightning round of the town hall because otherwise no one will be here for the meet and greet at the end. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, uh, uh, Mr. Jesse Fuchs, Mr. Jesse Fuchs, are you in the audience, Professor Emeritus Jesse Fuchs? Are you here? Are you here? Can you yell out? Can you can you give us a sign? Can you move something with your mind? Well, uh, okay, one down. One down. Sorry. Uh, then I'm 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 some uh, La 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 Mania. The wind whispers La Mania. Hey, Who could it going? be? Oh, hey, hey. Uh, so I have a question for Matt. Uh, throughout your argument, you've asserted that games drain people of their social nature and that to gamers, opponents become these abstract obstacles instead of fully realized human beings. These gamers, they forego meaningful connections to chase after meaningless points and laugh at the misfortune of their perceived enemies. They accumulate little pixel hearts instead of real, tangible accomplishments. How do you reconcile your stance on this with your... With your Twitter? On Twitter, yes. Twitter. <laughs> it's the same thing, just not quite as bad. I mean, this isn't hard. We have to be able to draw distinctions as human beings, for Christ's sake. Twitter is just, it's the same thing. It's as pernicious, I will agree, but video games are more immersive. More people play video games than are on Twitter, I'll hazard to fucking guess. And therefore, it is worse. That's Why it. Why therefore? Why? Because it's more impactful. Because more people are, 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 are seduced into the virtual realm than they would be by Twitter, which does not have the visual component that video gaming So does. more people equal worse. I'm sorry, that's case not proven. It's more people equals worse is a proven case if your abiding assumption is that the underlining thing is bad. Yeah, obviously. I, I feel like we're getting mired in particulars. I... I Something about this, something about this that, that leads me to a, a final guest, a final, a final question from. Am I reading this right? The, the beer nerd. He's getting a beer. He's getting a beer. He's getting a beer. Uh, Wait, the beer nerd's here. The uh, what, that's what I hear. Where is he? Not where I need him to be, but he is here. Well, this is the most beer nerd. Can the beer, can the beer nerd be here right now? Can, can this is this is the Gayatri Spivak's uh, uh, monograph? Can the beer nerd speak? It's for the for the grad yeah. students in the audience. All right, Hi. the beer nerd. I had, I had, I, my identity is not my my identity is not important. My question, 
I think, is far more important. We've been talking a lot about politics, sociopolitical, whatnot, war, but I think we have to ask the real question. Are video games art? Now, I posit anything that can be inspired by... Any, anything that can be created by a stroke of inspiration cannot. Now, uh, The Legend of Zelda was created in Shigeru Miyamoto's mind because of all of the adventures he had playing outside as a kid. The great RPG, Earthbound, was... The American translation was inspired by allusions to Bugs Bunny, this is Spinal Tap, The Beatles, and also... Last but not least, another great RPG, Chrono Trigger, had 13 endings. 13 endings. And the great James Joyce book, Ulysses, had but one. So, please, both of you, debate the merits of video games as art. Each of you has one minute. Video games are obviously art. They contain a multitude of human expressions. I consider the question to be frankly trivial and I'm not going to sit down and try to describe examples for it because our questioner has described more than enough examples. Video games are art. That is obvious. That is tautological. Wow. I, I mean, I agree, but I agree also that it is a trivial question because technology is what has changed what art means. Technology is what has made video games as opposed to other more uh, you know, more ancient forms of art, different technology is what makes video games the art that will turn us all into the lotus eaters of Ulysses. Uh, that, is, that is the thing that matters, is the technology. Yeah, uh, it's art, fine, whatever, I don't care. Then how do you reckon with the fact that so many consumers of this art do not become the lotus eaters, they become politically aware and they actually do important things? Uh, a citation for that claim is all I ask. <laughs> Seems like we're heading into the final comments. I want to congratulate both contestants on a well-argued battle. I'm not... <laughs> please, please. I'm not here to determine such banalities as a winner or a loser. That's for, of course, the audience and the applause meter to decide. Um... What I am interested in is your final comments, your closing statements. Uh, Virgil deferred in the opening round, so I believe that means that you have to go first in this round uh, by NFL That's rules. That's NFL rules, yeah. That's NFL rules. Um, and sure. and uh, followed by Mr. Chrisman. Sure. And again, thank you to you, Trevor. Thank you to the individuals working here at the Bell House. And thank you to you in the audience who came here tonight to learn something. <clears throat> Mr. Crispin believes that real life doesn't include computers, doesn't include modern phones, that pixels are restricted to gaming consoles. He denies the reality of experience. That attitude that he is trying to sell you on tonight is the actual escapism. The escapism of not engaging with the world on its actual terms. And a man who calls himself a materialist should have to reckon with the world on its actual terms. As, 
As Gramsci says, we have to go where hegemony is and resist it there. Hegemony is in video gaming and we must resist it there. Through computer screens and smartphones, we are constantly entering a sphere of representation. So why should our cultural practice be outside of that, as Mr. Crispin argues? The distinction between virtuality and reality is no longer tenable. Technology is the central way which we relate to others, how our politics, business, warfare are conducted. We live in a dual realm where my virtual representation is for all material purposes as vital to me as my physical body. And if this is our reality, why should we condemn artists for doing what they have always done? Which is using the dominant medium to describe the world in which they live. Uh, Matt, would you forgive me for quoting Stuart Hall right now? Popular culture is one of the sites where this struggle for and against a culture of the powerful is engaged. It is the stake to be won or lost in that struggle. It is the arena of consent and resistance. It is partly where hegemony arises and where it is secured. It is not a sphere where socialism, a socialist culture already fully formed, might be simply expressed, but it is one of the places where socialism might be constituted. That is why popular culture matters. Otherwise, to tell you the truth, I don't give a damn about it. There are problems with gaming. I will be the first to admit there is exploitation in the gaming industry. There is a small minority of reactionary bigots who must be marginalized and evicted from gaming spaces by the majority of gamers who do not hold those views, who support justice and egalitarianism. And I am not afraid to confront those problems, and you should not be either. Because there is nothing wrong with gaming that cannot be fixed by what is right with gaming. Thank you. I'd like to start with Mr. Texas's conviction that we can change gaming. We can shape gaming in a way that is advantageous to socialism. I mean, he has essentially admitted that many of the currents of gamer culture as they currently exist are deeply pathological. But what is his answer? His answer is, we need to fight them on their terms. We need to change things. We, none of it has any meaning. It's, it's, it's waving a wand. It's saying... This capitalist, this capitalist media that is reproduced by capitalism, that is reinforced by capitalist purchasing power, can be changed. How? There's been not a single word from my opponent on how. Just that it should be. I mean, I would agree. If, if he were to bring forth some sort of argument as to what could change gaming and make it advantageous to a socialist movement, I would be all ears, but there was not a word said from him on that point. Just that it should be. Just that it would be nice if there was a socialist gaming culture. That we should intervene with disaffected young males who are, then, who are uh, brought into gaming as an alternative to the world that is too dangerous and too scary and too hard for them. Yes, of course I would agree with that. But there is no mechanism there is no plan. There is only an airy-fairy desire for change that Mr. Texas has 
ably expressed, but which speaks to the underlying hollowness of his position because there's nothing there beyond a desire to make things different. In the face of an undeniable capitalist mechanism of, of desires satiated by a capitalist enterprise. Now, in 2015, a 32-year-old man walked into an internet cafe in Taiwan. He played video games there for three straight days. The only thing that stopped him was a heart attack. He was one of two men to die in internet cafes during multi-day gaming binges in Taiwan in that year. Sure, people binge watch TV shows and marathon movies. Some old nerds even sit down and read the same book for hours at a time. But only gaming can so thoroughly preoccupy a person that they forego the need for food or sleep or any human interaction for days at a time. And that's because video games offer a simulation of reality so viscerally satisfying to enough of your brain's pleasure centers that you forgo the basic drives towards self-preservation entailed in eating, drinking, and sleeping. This is a power that should not be, frankly, but since it is, we should treat it very carefully. Now, the case can be made that this criticism applies to basically every emergent technological subculture, from YouTube to Twitter to web forums, and to an extent, that's true. But to a thinking person, it is to, but to be a thinking person, it is to be able to draw distinctions. And we should all be conscious enough of the specific phenomenon of video games to recognize them as the single most pernicious of these. To say gaming is bad is trivial, unless we define bad. Do we mean bad for socialism? Well, of course, as much as any cultural product that reproduces the logic of capitalism is. That's banally true. This culture is an alienation machine, but there is value in identifying that feature of the culture that is most fully and violently embodying the worst pathologies of that culture. I put it to you that gaming is the purest distillation of all the alienating forces of technological capitalism, and being conscious of that gives us the ability to fight against the encroaching darkness. I admit I've been given much to think about tonight, both from Mr. Texas's position of pro-gaming and the, frankly, tempting horizons that socialist gaming provides us, of togetherness, of expanded horizons, of, of personality and, 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 and commensurability. And yet I've also had much to hear from Mr. Chrisman, uh, Mr. Chrisman, who has suggested that this commensurability, I imagine, is at once a poison, poison fruit, something that provides nothing but ashes in the mouth and terrible, terrible, poisonous afflictions to a socialist outcome. I don't know if there's a conclusion we can come to. But what has become clear to me tonight, and perhaps what has become clear to all of us tonight, is that gaming 
necessarily is the aesthetic vanguard upon which we must fight. Whether it becomes negative or positive, this is the question we must answer. This has been Virgil, Texas. I answered it. Matthew Chrisman. I answered it better. And Trevor Strunk. We are of Chapel Trap House and No Cartridge Audio. 